destino para ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 31 for Sunday, December 1st, 2013. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And I'm John Younger. And today we are talking with Jolina from ProB, and she is going to talk about what they are up to these days. The reason that we're doing today's episode is because the offices of ProB were attacked recently. Armed men broke into the offices, burned some files, and took some equipment. And we'll put a link to that, uh, to an article about that incident in the show notes. But we really wanted to invite uh, ProB on to talk about the work that they're doing now in support of their organization and everything that, that we've done. And they appear a lot, both in this podcast and in our film. So, Yolina, welcome. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Uh, hello. Hi. Hey, thanks for coming on. And, and we're, we're, it was very upsetting for us here in, in the U.S. to read about what had happened. And, uh, and we just thought it would be a great opportunity um, to, to talk to you about why it's so important, the work that ProB is, is doing these days, rather than focus on um, what had happened. Let's, let's focus on some of the, the really important, amazing work that you do. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's very important to talk about what, what, what's going on and, and what are we doing. And so many more people get involved in, in, in this because if we have been able to be here till now is because of the influence and the contribution of many peoples. Well, just to give you an idea, right now we have 925 cases going on and we have solved 386 cases. Out of those, we were able to reunite 238 people so far. The good news is that we have another reunion next Monday, so never mind what happened, we will still be doing our job. Yeah, and we will I, we've seen a lot this. of news of reunions, it feels like, this year. Do you, know, do you know how many you've had this year? Six. Six, wow. Seems like maybe more than last year or the year before. Um, nope, actually last year we have eight. Okay. Eight reunions, and the year before, I think we had six, too. Okay. Yes. Wow. And for, for people to have context, most of these reunions are for people that went missing um, in the early part of the war, um, although it, it could be all the way to 92, but most of these people were from 80 to 82. Um, so you're talking about reunions after 30 years. Yes, exactly. People who haven't seen their families or don't know about their family like 30 years after, 29. It's really amazing. The whole process is uh, really emotional. Just a few weeks ago, you had a woman who, was, who was, currently lives in Hawaii that was reunited, right? Yes. Marina is from Hawaii. We had her reunion on November 11th, and she's still here. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And she, uh, the the thing is, she was able to see all the mess, what happened here, and uh, 
and she was able also to see how that did not stop us. There is a link on our website uh, of her opinions. I would recommend you to, you know, add to your links. Yeah. Sure, we'll definitely include it. So, Jolene, uh, it might be um, it, it might be helpful. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the work that you personally do in Pro B. But I think it would be helpful <laughs> for people to uh, maybe get to know you a little bit, and then we can talk more about what uh, Pro B is doing as an organization. Okay, I'm the coordinator of the Psychosocial Union. My job here is is to make easier the process of reunions, the whole process of communication before the reunion. There are some cases that people decide not to meet their birth parents and uh, I also have to explain to the birth family what's going on with that person and why, why she or he made that decision. Mm -hmm. So they will understand uh, how difficult is uh, this uh, part of the process. Yeah, basically my job is to, you know, accompany both the families and the the, the people who get who went missing, uh, abducted through this whole emotional process. And it can be very, uh, very emotional. You know, we I, I know I've talked about it before in last week last two weeks we've had Peter on the show and he said, you know, this is an emotional journey that takes a very long, long time to work through. What do you see from other disappeareds and these reunions? What are the things that they struggle with? I see many things that they struggle with. What's my name? Some people will say, I don't feel like, I don't feel like Roberto. I don't feel like my name is Roberto. I feel more like Nelson. And some people cannot even pronounce their their name, you know? And it's like really weird. That's like, part of yeah, it's such a big part of your identity and I, you know, both those things that you just said were absolutely true for me. I felt like when I first learned I'm like I don't feel like a Robert you know, and I and I had that the English translation in my head, and then being able to pronounce my own name. You know, my my family makes fun of me um, because sometimes I mess it up. You know, so it's like this this joke that my brothers and sisters have that I can't say my own name, and uh, I'm not going to say it right now because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, just giving uh, take that as an example. People who get together here in El Salvador, you know, that are from El Salvador, they will also have that dilemma about their own names, like, what is my name now? Is it this or that? It is Juan or Jose. That will be, like, one of the things. And how to deal with having two families at the same time. Uh, how to deal with uh, uh, who is my mom. Uh, how can I not call mom to the person who have raised me all this time and how to call mom to the person who I just met. Okay. On the other hand, uh, there are some people really amazed to see all the love and all the efforts and all the struggle that uh, have, the families have been doing all these years uh, to find them, you know. 
sometimes some of them ask, uh, ask me to take them to the wall where all the names of the people are the memorial of truth and memory uh, where all the names are of the disappear and being able to see your own name there I don't think that's easy to I think it's kind of painful and at the same time is uh, it's amazing to know or to learn that your family has been looking for you and that's a proof of how much they have done and they have struggled to finally find you. One thing I also noticed from, from when Nelson interviewed the other disappeared children is that almost in all cases when they were reunited they also found out that they had lost family members. Yes, and it's painful because you, you go and find, I don't know, maybe some part of the family, but you don't find a father or a sister or a brother. When I went to the U.S. last year and I was able to talk to you, I kept many things of what you said. I remember one is expect nothing, wish for everything. And that's what the reunion should be like. Uh, don't expect, to, I don't know, this or that to happen, but wish for everything. When I learned that there was a term, I don't know how do you translate it, but I'll try. Legal term basically means that the, the crime is systematic and permanent. Mm -hmm. So the disappearance is a systematic crime and also permanent. It makes sense to me, you know, because it's not only that you were taken from your family. Is what that means. You stopped talking to your parents. You did not grow under the family rules or the family culture, and you lose everything. And I don't only mean in you know from one country to the other. Maybe one family is Catholic and the next and the adoptive family is I don't know something else going back to your uh, to that family of course makes uh, some kind of crash even in the the way you you speak or you relate to some to your siblings that is really 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 cruel kind of crime from my point of view it makes sense to call it permanent because uh, you are not able to gain back what you lost. That's an interesting thing that you're, you're saying because I think, you know, I've certainly dealt with those feelings of having lost so much and, you know, not growing up with my siblings or my birth parents. It's not to say that the life that I have now is bad by any means, but it's just this, you always wonder what could it have been? And I think that that is something that a lot of people struggle with, um, you know, who have been sep forcibly separated. Sometimes even just adopted children uh, struggle with that. I'm thinking of this because we're coming up on the 16-year anniversary of when we were reunited. And the reason that that's so special is because half of my life I was without them and the other half of my life I had my my birth family. We have this saying, making up for lost time, and it's almost like we're finally starting to catch up. I've definitely struggled with that. I, it's great that they have someone like you there kind of helping them through the process. Thank you. 
actually, I'm, I'm going to start a campaign, you know, and then make sure that you mother translate her book into Spanish. <laughs> oh, that <would> be tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> when I read that book, it, it makes sense of many things that like um, I think that the difference between being adopted and the, the different and being abducted is that many families did not want to well, for instance, I don't think your father or mother wanted to give you for adoption. It wasn't a choice they were able to make. I think that makes a difference while you are struggling with all this. It is why I, I consider it to be a crime. And, uh, but I also see the, the other part of the, of the story, and, and that's how the adopted family becomes part of this whole relationship or this whole phenomenon. It is so good to find people who are uh, so loving and open-minded to be able to help their kids through this whole process. I met a woman who adopted this kid. She knew that the boy was probably an orphan of war because he appeared on the on the church after a, a bombing, and she was uh, she always kept like the part of the birth family in his heart when he earned his few the first uh, salary she would be like okay you have to give something back to the church in memory of your mother i don't know if she's alive or she's dead uh, but you should do something to honor her you know this coming from a, uh, an adoptive mother the day of the reunion she was the first to sing it shows how the process gets a lot easier if the adoptive family is involved. That's great advice. I don't think my reunion would have gone as smoothly had my adoptive parents not been as I guess, brave and supportive as they had been. It can be hard. I've talked to other disappeared who struggle to bring their family into the picture, their adoptive family into the picture, but I think it's an important part of, of the healing process for both sides. Yeah. There are other cases when the adoptive family doesn't get involved uh, or it's against the reunion. I know a case of a person who uh, had her reunion, uh, you know, hidden from the adoptive family. She struggles uh, to deal with both of her her families. From doing some research, it, it seemed like it was very hard to understand from the outside why people wouldn't want reunions. Um, and of course, maybe that's just my own ignorance because I'm not I'm not adopted, and every adoption is is an individual thing, and everybody has a right to absolute right to their own decisions. The thing is that there are people who do not want to get together with their birth family, there's a lot of reasons. Some of them are afraid of the reaction of their birth, of their adoptive family, I'm sorry, because uh, they feel that will be like unloyal or ungrateful or they will hurt them or somehow. Or some other cases has to do with 
the war itself. Coming here to El Salvador for many means live again the war or the traumatic event that they left behind and don't want to know about about it anymore. They'd rather just sort of move on and focus yeah. on their lives today. Exactly. Without saying names, there is the one case I, I remember. This person saw her mother die and uh, he will not come. There's no way he will come. He don't want to go through all this event. again. Yeah. I do understand, you know, although that means not not meeting your birth family and the people who have looked for you for this whole time. So when that when that happens, the birth family learns that the person's alive and that they're okay, and and obviously I'm sure they're disappointed, but they do. They just give them the you give them the information that that there's just not going to be a reunion. More or less, yes. But you know something I really, really, really um, amazed is about the fate and the hope of the people who are on this side of the border, and they will say like, "Okay, I just keep praying. Let's keep our hopes high, and uh, one day it will happen." Well, I know my my own grandmother kind of had that belief and that faith and determination to pursue my case for many, many years, you know, and one of the photos that we use in the film is her going to the offices of the FMLN with a picture of my mother asking where her grandson is. And just the look on her face is, you know, she's just staring into this, this guy burning a hole through him and saying, give me the answers. And of course she didn't get them then, but she, she never, gave up and she kept uh, uh, looking. So, you know, it does take an incredible amount of strength on the part of the family to continue this search. Yeah, and what's going on right now is that many families members are, they are already old, some of them are dying, but what they do is that uh, they kind of like uh, ask some younger family members to keep going. I see Probuskeda for many, many, many more years because of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe that's something I should talk about a little bit more. Probuskeda is not like a normal NGO, you know. We're an association and the, and, and the, the associates are family members who have lost their children during the war. Mm-hmm. Most of them are mothers, some fathers. Some of them are siblings, some of them are, you know, grandmothers, grandfathers. They keep struggling and making sure that we do our work and, and keep finding people or keep looking for them. Well, we will continue to support you as you continue on this journey to find and reunite more families. Uh, I think we're coming to a close so we'll start to wrap things up here. And uh, mm-hmm. I know that Pro-B is in uh, going through some changes at the moment, and you're, you're mm-hmm. moving to a new location. Maybe you could yes. share that a, a little bit of, of that news. We finally were able to buy a, new, a house for our offices. So it will 
they will be our own offices. Uh, we will stop renting, and uh, we are moving uh, in December. I was going to say also that there is a new reunion coming up on next Monday to show that nothing is going to stop us. And this is uh, one of the cases that was solved through the DNA test, you know, the DNA database that we have. Mm -hmm. A cold match. A cold match? Yep. Wow, so they just, you ran the family's DNA and you ran the, the person who was looking and, and yep. it popped up. Wow. wow. Yep, exactly. I wanted to jump in and say, we recently had an email from somebody who had found the podcast or the website and, mm -hmm. uh, and was a Salvadoran American. Um, mm -hmm. And I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about what ProB does once people reach out to them, how to get a hold of you. I think you can contact us through our email. We have, an, we have our, our website, probusqueda.org. That SV, and uh, we also have uh, our our phone number is uh, five zero three uh, twenty two thirty five ten thirty nine. Okay. So, okay. so if somebody calls in or sends an email, they basically get assigned some a caseworker to talk to, and the caseworker interviews mm -hmm. them and yes. offers some tests for them, and. Yes. Uh, and then explains the process and explains all the context mm -hmm. and, and then they have patients but you're back in touch with them and you answer questions and you're there for them and, yeah. and the process is sort of in their control the whole time they decide even after everything they decide if they want a reunion or not um, of course yes of course mm -hmm. well Jolina, thank you so much for joining us. This has been uh, fantastic. It's great to hear, uh, you know, the the work that you're doing and that you know Proby is still strong. And you know, uh, Peter said last week how important it was for him to honor the work that you're doing and have done over the years. So um, we just wanted to thank you again for being here. And we'll make okay. sure to put all the information for people on the website so they can go check it out if, if there's interest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, John, thank you, Nelson, for this whole um, project. Uh, um, I'm really grateful for all that you are doing because I know it, it is important for other people who are able to hear you and to hear us and uh, maybe with the final you know push they will need and we will be able to find more 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 families thank you thank you very much and and uh, as Nelson said um, congratulations about your move and and uh, and still going strong in the reunion next week everyone at home thank you for listening uh, I'm Nelson DeWitt I'm John Younger and we'll see you next week Thank you.